Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, you know, I've been taking the melatonin to help me sleep. And the other night I did take it on Saturday. And it's the one night I should have taken it. Because I live in Burbank and I don't live close to the airport. But for some reason, because Chicago's airport was shut down all Saturday night till like two in the morning, there kept being airplane after airplane like every five minutes. And it's driving me crazy. I can't get to sleep. Finally, when the airplanes start, there's this damn train that goes through Burbank that just goes at like 2.30 in the morning. And they're not even close to me. I heard it. So I got to start taking a melatonin every night because, you know, I've been sleeping good. So anyway, enough about my sleeping. We have, we have a great show. Uh, I got to tell you, my guest today, I, I posted that he was going to be on the show today. And people are going crazy. My guest is Boone Jr. How you doing, Boone? Just Boone. We'll, Boone. You know. I see that. That's cool. Now, now, now it's good. To, Mark Boone Jr., but, you know, everybody calls me Boone. Now, when did you get that nickname? It just, as, uh, you know, it became Boone as, I, I, I feel like Mark is a, is a boy's name. Okay. I don't know. It just kind of fell away. But what, like, what age? Because, I mean, I've been called Coop all my life. Everyone says Coop, Coop, because my last name's Cooper. Yeah. Well, I, I've had a lot of nicknames. Um through the years i played on sports teams so you tend to get nicknames so what were some of them uh heidi okay now that that makes no sense yeah no it doesn't (laughs) (laughs) pudjanowski the famous russian goaltender that was another one i i didn't play goalie on i played soccer a lot and uh after practice i play i would go into goal and mess around as a goaltender so you're you're a big sports kid growing up yeah yeah i started uh i think they the i think the little league team needed a coach and they enlisted my father when i was even too young to play and i i so they so i started early playing little league and then i played basketball and football in high school the first couple of years and then i just sort of discovered soccer and then i became very serious about soccer now you were playing sports as a kid now when did you start getting interested in acting was that something that started as young when i I, as once again i read the wrong thing about you but i read your your mother was a retired teacher well she is a retired okay says when you were raised no this 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 is like wikipedia is so bad sometimes because you try to get something so was there was there uh, an acting background in your household was it a creative uh my father did um some directing and writing i think in high school he plays the trumpet dixieland trumpet so he uh you know he's kind of been in in the arts they my my parents did funny stuff when uh when i was growing up they would have i know they were involved in theater and and singing and they're both they both i think they still are both in the choir uh, at 86 years old so they go to to church so that was around the house so you just sat there and learned from that no i did that isn't i mean if anything is when i I, when i was about probably 12 years old i started staying up my father would fall asleep on the couch and i would watch old movies till late at night that's probably when i got some kind of bug but uh I didn't. I still played. I, I, I didn't do any any. Uh, I mean, I took it like a theater course in high school or something, and and uh, did nothing in college. So you didn't act at all. You went. You but how did you choose Vermont? Well, I grew up in Illinois, so the furthest I could get away from. You know, that's really how it happened. I, I you know, and I went. Uh, I, I don't know. I just. At the time, I was thinking agriculture, and there aren't very many agricultural schools in this country. And Vermont, I just seemed I'd, I don't know what I'd heard about about Vermont, but I got on. Uh, you know, I I, I went to uh, when I was cruising schools, I went there there, and I liked it. So. Were you recruited for any sports, or you just went for? I was recruited for sports in the Midwest, and I could have gotten full rides and stuff to it to colleges in the midwest but like i say i wanted to get right it's so funny that is one thing when you're when you're younger it's like just that i mean i went an hour away from my house where i grew up an hour but i didn't commute i said i'm living down there because it's such a big break it's in your 18 you're going oh my god and it's just it's amazing because all these other kids it's just like you're going into a just a party fest because everyone's away from home 
Yeah, I mean, I I, I I wasn't really into the partying aspect of, of going away, at, at, not at all. I, I guess I was a serious kind of guy, I don't, and, and I played sports, so um, uh, I, I was very serious. I thought I was, was going to play professional soccer. That's what I thought when I was 18. Now, what position did you play? I played wherever the team... I always played in the middle of the field, somewhere in the middle of the field. I, I touched the ball a lot. I was always open. I always, and I never gave the ball up. Well, I remember in soccer back then is when the Cosmos came out and everything. It was a beautiful time. I mean, I, I loved it because there was a guy who played for Dallas. His last name was Cooper. His name was Kenny Cooper. He was a goaltender. So I followed that stuff. And I was like one of the only kids in the, I had the little Kyle wrote Kikari thing. And so you must have been excited when you went because soccer was blowing up. It was blowing up. And, and um, so... I was I people did get in touch with me about about uh, playing professional soccer I, I very much so and and in the NASL is what it was called the North American Soccer League and I mean I <laughs> you know like I, I've always seemed to have always had a little problem with authority and coaches and I didn't really get along that well and I was they were looking for me and there was no there was no network back then for for, for they didn't have club teams or or anything it was just uh and we played in front of the the uh Boston Minutemen coach and whatever this is a you know it's a long involved story but I you know I I could have probably played Pro soccer, yeah, which would have been great. But so now, so now, when did you start then getting the acting bug? Was that in college? No. Then I moved to New York City. I I, I had been living with somebody for pretty much all through college, and we traveled around after we graduated and traveled around the the United States and ended up back in New York. And so, and so you just said, "Okay, I'm down here." What, what was your job when you got down? Here? What were you doing? Uh, oh God! The first uh, job I had, I worked in a African art gallery because I w- I was an art major. Okay. In in college history, and I did a lot of history and very interested in history and um and art and um so I got I I moved on to St. Mark's Place uh, in New York in the the seventies and um you got that job it, that was literally a block and a half away from me which was quite a coup <laughs> there were a lot of people who wanted that job and i i just uh i worked there for i don't know about a year and a half or something and then i then a friend of mine from vermont was working at the uh harry abrams which is a the, the kind of the creator of the coffee table book and um she called me up one day you have to come in here and save us you have to do these and and things i knew how to do and so then i i i worked there for like uh i don't know two years or something and slowly i as far as acting people started asking me to be in their movies there it was at a time when the independent movie w- didn't exist as such it was art movies or in new york there were a lot of art movies being right. made conceptualism was kind of a big co- thing going on then and and i just uh kind of started to to make movies and then i hooked up with this guy named tom wright and we started doing theater so you really, did you go to acting class or, or did you just go straight into theater? And that at that time I went into a couple of acting classes and I just didn't have the stomach for um, what was going on in there. <laughs> it's a lot of cultism around acting classes. I I found I don't know if that's true of all uh, acting teachers, but that's how they they kind of create a the ones that I saw they created a sort of a, a cult around them and their students needed to hear what they had to say right and they would do a scene and they just needed to be told they were in it and they had it and they get would do right and and actually the, t- the teachers would torture 
you know, students mostly, so that they would feel the need to do to to come back and pay them another uh, whatever it was. It, it is funny because I, I know I, I did stand up comedy and I know people who teach comedy classes sort of the same thing. It's like they sit there and it's like okay, you know, you can go on stage, but but if you go on stage, you did this wrong. And well, no, well, guess what? You don't learn the first time. It's like acting. I'm sure the first time you went on stage, you were scared and you were lost. Yeah, you don't know. So it's it's like anything. You learn with time. If you're sitting there in a room constantly acting, acting, when you go out to the wolves, it's a big different thing. Yeah. No, it, it, I mean, I had finally had enough when the teacher I had, Nicholas Nickleby, came on to PBS in New York. The guy brought in like an 11-inch television <laughs> Set it up in front of the, you know, 15, 18 people who were in the class who I was paying like 65 bucks a week or something for this thing. That was a lot of money for me back then. A lot of money. So I was like, he set that up for one and and we watched that for the class, like two hours, three hours, whatever it was. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, okay. When he did it the second time, he brought it back the next week. I went, give me my money now. Give me my money back right now. And I walked out of the class, and that's the last acting class I've taken. So you started doing the theater. Now, did you enjoy doing the theater when you started? theater. So you and your friend just would get plays, or would you set them up, or how would you do this? No, we wrote we wrote stuff. We, okay. we started. It was all just kind of a downtown. Tom Wright, was a, he, he produced uh, Underground USA, which is was like a big punk film um, back then. Big punk film. They, in St. Mark's Cinema, they had lines around the the block for for months and months and months when that came out. I ran into him, uh, and we just hung out for like a couple of years and then started doing this stuff. And it, it was... Um, we had uh, people like John Lurie... Um, Rockets, no, no, Rockets didn't make it into one of those shows. Um, And then Steve Buscemi, who lived, I was working, I think at that point, at a bar called the Red Bar, which was a big art scene, big, big, big art scene. All the, all the, a lot of people who are now very famous people uh, used to hang out there. It it was like a big bathroom with a Formica bar. and um, Steve lived like two blocks away, and he would come in there, and, and Tom knew him from Strasburg. Okay. Steve went to Strasburg at the same time as Tom and Linda Hamilton, who was, um, and, and, uh, and, and so he knew him from there, and I knew him from the bar. And he was in one of, one of our shows, and then... Then uh, after that, I started working with Steve. And doing theater and just setting stuff up? Theater. Just We, we, we started in a club called uh, Late Again, which was, at the time, Rocket's Red Glare, if you know who that is. He, he was in Stranger Than Paradise, okay. and he's, he's, he's passed uh, years ago. But um, he was doing his stand-up there, and I was doing... I, he was working in the bar as a, the bouncer, um, and we, he started doing that. He had, and I would dress up as, he was a big, big, big man. And, and, uh, at some point I would dress up as, as he would go down, he did this samurai act and I would put on his tux, okay. which would, was just draping on me. And I say, I was, I'm the little man who lives inside rockets. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, that was that was probably the first thing I did in New. Oh no no no! I guess I'd done I did I'd done some other movies and stuff. So you start now? Do you start sitting there in New York? You want you want to say I want to get away from doing this theater and you want to get into TV and movies, or did you? Was it a hard transition, or did you not? Did you love theater and you wanted to leave it? Didn't want to leave it. Well, we just you know we did a lot of stuff. We I mean there was no making money. We didn't ever make any money. We just did we and and Steve and I got a fairly you know big reputation there. We. We used to poster. I, that was my favorite thing. I, I, you know, because of the art and stuff, I, I really like visual images. And so back then, I mean, in the early 80s, New York was 
the Wild West. I mean, it really... Is that mine? I think so. Ridiculous. Um, it was the Wild West. People were... There was... <laughs> it was very violent, and everybody was poor. And uh, unless they were, um, you know... Uh, people with money that you didn't know about right yeah (laughs) (laughs) um anyway and um and and we were just uh just kind of doing what we wanted to do i mean it was uh there were little clubs and and then we and and later later much later in the late 80s we started doing stuff at la mama theater which um was started by Ellen Stewart in the maybe even the fifties. I don't know if it, it or sixties. And a lot of people had done work there. Sam Shepard, many, many, many people had worked at at La Mama over the years. So you're doing the theater now. When do you sit there and start saying I want to branch out? And how do you end up in L.A.? Remember, did you do theater in New York? I mean, did you do yeah, a TV did. And movie in New York, or what happened? Um, you know, like I say, started people had started asking me to do movies, these independent movies, Betty Gordon, the Leandro Katz, and this is all a scene where Jarmish and uh, you know that everybody grew out of the the thing in New York in the in in that time. The the community was kind of, the downtown community was kind of small, and so there were the the painters and the writers and the photographers and the and the filmmakers Amos Poe and you, you know these people. Everybody knew each other. The actor, the actors, and and the, the the people who were doing you know weird stuff. There was all kinds of stuff. It was a very vital time there, and um, so you know I did a bunch of of independent movies, sort of uh, not, and and then um, I guess Steve and I decided we were going to try and get an agent. Okay. So we got an agent, um, sort of, um, and. And um, he sort of started sending us out a little bit, I guess. And I got some TV stuff there. There was there was there was some TV being shot there then. And um, and then I just uh, I started living with somebody, and we just and she'd never seen the the United States, and so we took off and were out there about two three months, and then she got a job in new in in la and so we just kind of i just sort of decided that it was time to to where'd you move first i always ask people where they move first because there's so many different stories because a lot of people don't know la they sit there they go they move they go because you know you're living in new york you know the crappy areas in la everything looks nice until you read like you know you see some graffiti but and a lot of times people say i moved to this place and next thing you know i hear a gunshot at the 7-eleven where did you move when you first got out here the first permanent place I had was in Echo Park, and it was you know there was auto there was automatic gunfire regularly. This is in ninety. There was automatic gunfire. There was gunshots on a regular regular basis. So, uh, but I mean, I'd lived in uh, the the Lower East Side the right. whole time I was in New York. It was a very tough spot. I mean, I'd been through a lot of very crazy stuff i can imagine i mean i remember new york back you know you talk about people see it now but it was like so different i remember going in college we went up and you know me and some friends and you'd go down 42nd street and you'd be getting beaver shots and people would be sitting there showing you you know drugs through the window and it was and it was normal no one cared yeah it was very it was a wide open town uh when i moved there and it it, then it started, the, particularly the Lower East Side. I mean, there was the, the the block I lived on. There, there were three drug operations that that sold heroin and cocaine. Um, you know, I was very familiar with the people. I was threatened when I first moved onto the block, I, very seriously, by the by one of the guys. At one point, um, probably, probably, I'd been living there probably three years, and uh, I knew two the two oldest guys who had been there one a vietnam vet and another one no they both were vietnam vets and actually one of the guys had before i met steve they had been working in a, in a moving company together and the guy had fallen asleep on the bqe and almost killed steve who was a passenger in in the in the same car with him 
that guy got shot by the other guy in in the in the the um, entryway to my building. Two hours after I had talked to both of them at the bar that I worked at, like a, a block down the w- down the way, that that was the kind of spot. And the other guy had to zip because he. So you're he gonna, was a three-time loser. You're going Echo Park. I just got nothing on me. I'm no, I'm, like, oh, I'm out here. Screw this. This at least I just hear it from a distance. It's not my, my doorway. So you get out here now. Cheap uh, man, cheap. I can imagine. You know, no, I mean, you know, that's I. I never had any money. Right. You know, because I was always doing that thing, working a little bit to, to uh, support the time doing what I thought I should be doing. So when you got out here. Did you sit there and go look for an agent right away, or what did you sit there and think your path of would go? I already had an agent then. Oh, from back east. Back and, east. Okay. I did. I get. I. I think right before I got. Uh, I, yeah. I. I mean. I, I. I. don't know exactly what movies I did, but I. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I got. Um, I Die Hard. Okay. Two. Two. Yes. Two. No. Yes. Die Hard Two. I got. In '86 or something in in New York, and we shot that out here. And then you know that was the kind of the first chunk of big, you know, which wasn't big money, but it was something. Um, and uh, then I did a play in in Europe. I traveled all over uh, Europe with uh, the Squat Theater, um, which was a Hungarian group that had been exiled from hungary in the in the 70s and ended up in new york and they did some great stuff now how did, how did you end up with them they just knew of you so you auditioned and then you just went to europe i think they just gave me that part i mean at that point um you know they'd seen me do all the stuff with steve and all the other stuff there was other you know i did other things with john jesrin and other people too what was it like doing theater in Europe? I mean, was it because you're playing to different audiences? I mean, was it a great experience or was it a little intimidated because you're going some places you're going, what, what the hell's going on here? Oh, no, that was fantastic. We played Schauspiel House in, in uh, Hamburg, was from a, a theater built in the 1700s, a, an amazing theater that Ingrid, Ingmar Bergman had just done a play like right before us. I mean, the, we played. The, the King's Theater in 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 Holland and uh, went. Uh, I mean, Sorry. <laughs> we played great houses. They had a great reputation. They'd been they'd been doing this for years and years and traveling all over. They we we had a great and it was a fantastic play. Now, when you came back to LA, did you did you do any theater in LA or, or, or it's not really much theater back then? I'm guessing. I haven't done much theater here in LA. Couple of things. There, it's weird because there was there. I mean, now there's getting weird, but there wasn't hardly anything out here. Well, it, it, people just have this attitude about theater in a town like this. That you know, why are you going to do a play that you make forty-two dollars every three weeks, and when you should be pursuing a, you know movies that make hundreds of thousands? Right. You know, I mean, it just—it's really kind of the 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 bastard child of the entertainment world in this town i guess there's people doing and some theater you know? now now when you were uh starting to go out for auditions out here <laughs> what, what kind of roles were you going out for were you typecasted on a certain way or did they sit there and go play this type of person this type of person uh, you know if you look i've done a lot of movies man comic comic stuff i believe in entertainment um, so whatever the role, even if it's a dark role, you know, which somehow there has to be some entertaining value to it is, is, is how I feel about it. I mean, we are in the entertainment business. I've done a lot of different stuff. Um, yeah, I think they try and pigeonhole you a bit out here, um, it's it's i mean at at this stage where where i'm coming off a seven-year run as one character that is going to be difficult i think to break the the mold well i know you did seinfeld 
Seinfeld. They did a Seinfeld. Yeah. Uh, did you like working on? I mean, everyone says it was a good time whenever whenever they worked on Seinfeld. Well, Michael, for some reason, they really liked Jerry or somebody really liked the shirt I wore to the audition, which was like one of my favorite shirts. What so was it? It was just like a okay. You know, like it was a, a t-shirt. Was okay. No, no, it was a it was a button down, but it was. It, it, I'd had it more than a few years. It looked really, it, it just was one of my favorite, very comfortable. I'm into comfort in, in, in clothes. And so they wanted me to wear that shirt on the on the show. I said, okay. So I show up and uh, um, Michael Richards, I had a scene with Michael Richards in, in an OTB office. Right, the mutter's mutter. Okay, so he... Um, Larry David goes, okay, go rehearse the scene. He says to to to, to uh, Richards and I, and we we go in this corner, and uh, I the first thing that I do, I like do like two lines, and he goes, you can't do that. I'm like, what do you what do you mean I can't? You can't do that. I'm like, I, you know, man, I'm just doing my <laughs> stuff. I didn't do any. You can't do that. And he go, and I and I go, well, I, I don't really know what I'm doing, man. So, you know, I that you so he runs off and gets Larry David, brings him back and goes and Larry comes up to me and goes, like, What are you doing? What are you doing? What did you do? I don't know what the hell I did. I didn't I'm just doing this just rehearsing the scene. And he goes, Well do it for me, do it for me. We do it. I could tell he didn't, you know, by this time I'm like not doing anything, you know, because, <laughs> you know, and so he goes, okay, okay, okay. So we do, we're doing the scene. And the first thing that Michael Richards does is rip my shirt off. So, You're like, and I never get paid for that, by the way, <laughs> Seinfeld. <laughs> This is, I must so piss you off so much. It's like, wait a second. And, and it's because you're the, you're the new guy here. You don't know what's going on. You're just, and you're doing nothing wrong. You're doing exactly how you auditioned. I, no, I don't know if I did it exactly but, how I auditioned, but I mean, I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't doing a dance, you know, <laughs> like trying to take the storm out of Michael Richards. Right. <laughs> so now you also did Trees Lounge. Yes, I did. Now that was, but now was that great because Steve wrote it and directed it? Or, I mean, was that a good process? Did you enjoy that? I mean, did you, you've worked with them for a long time. Yeah, of course I enjoyed that. That's a dark ass movie. I love it, but it's, it? a, it's it's a dark. I mean, it's, he's he's great. In it. It's just I remember seeing that, and when it came out, everyone's like, you know, you got to see this movie. And, and Bissemi was known, but not hugely known. And it was just it was a different. It was about a you know a pedophile ice cream man pretty much. I mean that's sort of like not normal. Come on, pedophile. He's like she's like eighteen, yeah, seventeen she like, years I old. A, I thought she was like fifteen. I saw it a long no, time ago. Was she? I don't think so. I, okay, well I saw it a long time ago. It was just I, it was like wow. It was just crazy. Yeah. No, it is. It is. Yeah, um, I don't know what to say about this right now. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <all right. laughs> no, I mean, Trees Lounge, I think, is one of the better movies made in the last 30 years. That was a great I movie. Mean, it's a really good movie, and um, it's kind of based on some of Steve's life and some of my life. Um, you know, so it's it's dear to my heart, and, and I, I just think it's it was so well cast and well directed, and it it's kind of speaks for itself. I mean, I think... You, you know, he. I, I think that the character does not sleep with that girl. Yeah, but it's just I know, I know. I mean, I, I, I spoke out of turn. I'm, I just recounting it. But it was it was dark, and it must have been though for you. It must have been great because you guys have done so many independent films that this was as pretty much an indie. Oh, very much an indie. That you very guys, much an that, but you guys movie. had the control over. Must have been great for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, I, I. I spent a lot of time i i stayed at, i was out here i was living out here and i went back there um and uh stayed at his place and he it was a daunting task to direct that and 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 be in every frame of the film which he was and so i mean i kind of think i helped steve a lot through that um because uh it was very exhausting it's very exhausting making a movie and to do those all those jobs and i kind of had his back during that that movie and um but he it's it's great he I mean, he did such a good job on that movie the music and everything 
casting is phenomenal in that movie. Now, did you have a hand in the casting, or no? no it was just no. you had a casting director. I mean, yeah, that's Sheila Jaffe, and and uh, you know what's what's her name, uh, Walken. Okay, the who went on to cast The Sopranos? Who who? I mean, they knew what they were doing. Hmm? They knew what they were doing. Well, that was one of their first movies, right? It's and and The Sopranos is. If you look at The Sopranos, if you look at Trees Lounge and you look at The Sopranos, there's a there's big similarities. In fact, I've heard rumors that that it was based on Trees Lounge. I have to, I have to rent that again because I saw I said I saw it a long time ago. I think I saw it in like a, I mean yeah, it was ages ago. I have, to, I have to rent that again. So now you're coming back and forth in L.A. and you're working a lot now. Now Sons of Anarchy, when you you end up you know you're acting, you're a memento, you're in a bunch of different stuff. When Sons of Anarchy came along. What did they say? You know, you're up for this role for the show. Did, I mean, what was that audition like? Um, actually, this is I have it on good authority that that Wendy O'Brien got the job of casting the Sons of Anarchy, Anarchy because she brought in the picture of me to play the part of Bobby. Now, did you have the big beard then? No, okay, but so I've always had hair facial hair i mean uh john linson is john linson came up with the idea of this biker club first and he hired kurt sutter to write the pilot and then that's then the rest is history now do you are you do you ride a bike have you always rode a bike or i rode a bike when i was i i had a bike i bought a bike for 75 dollars when i was 11 years old and that was my first bike and i rode that i rode rode all through high school and i i used to sneak the bike bike out a lot when i was 11 years old and drive it all and, and all through even before i had a license and um and then uh, actually my sister's husband of the time at the time when i was 19 or 18 or 19 had a very bad bad motorcycle accident and it scared scared my mother deeply and i i seemed to have promised her that i wouldn't ride a motorcycle so i didn't for a long time but then he got back on it and you know did you miss it because everyone says it's just a great feeling i love motorcycles What's the fastest you've ever gone? Because some people, I mean, I hear sometimes people, I, <laughs> they say they do the speed, and I go, it's insane. I, I be, I'm, I'm a wuss. I'd be afraid. I mean, some people do 100, and I'm like, how can you? I mean, it's just, it must be a great yeah, feeling. I, but. I think I've done, I, I mean, I don't, you know, when I'm going 125 miles an hour on, uh, I, I'm not looking at the speedometer. Right. You know? So, I mean, I know that I've done over 120 on, on my bikes. Now, because of the show, if you, I'm sure you encounter people who are in biker gangs or biker groups. Do they sit there and do they say, hey, man, you got it right? Or are they skeptical? Or, I mean, how does it, I mean, you go into a bar or you go in somewhere and you got some guys and they all know you and you have a very distinctive look and they go, oh, that's the guy from Sun. Do they ever talk to you about it? Do you see people encounter you about it or talk to you about bikes? Not that much. I mean, I, I of course I run into plenty of people and 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 one percenters and all kinds of people who ride bikes, but guys in clubs, I know a, you know plenty. I mean, this is a TV show, it's, right? It's it's not it, it's not uh, accurate in, in but it it is. The thing that that's accurate about it is the camaraderie, the, the 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 sort of the rules of what it is to be in a club with, um, club with your how you treat your the people in your club, and even that has been made a farce of on this show in some ways. I mean, you know, the character of Juice would long be dead. Okay, uh, I, I mean. Uh, or way out of the picture let's put it that way and um you know things like that it's it's but it is just a tv show and it, it's uh it's wildly wildly exaggerative i mean how many bodies have lay in the gutter from in the sons of anarchy and 
oh my god they're we've never been prosecuted i mean we you know i've been in jail like five times on the show you know but uh they we the the sons of anarchy have gotten away with a lot that i don't think uh happens now when you first when you first started shooting a series it was shot as a pilot or to get picked right up no no it was shot as a pilot now when you were part of it did you think it would become this huge hit? I mean, because it's it's a it's a giant hit. Everyone, I mean, as I said on Facebook, I put you were being on the show, and people were just, oh my god, oh we we love, oh my, oh you people are you're going crazy. Did you yeah. think it would? Did you think it would be a? I mean, you have to have a feeling. You've been in productions. Did you have a feeling it would be a big hit, or were you like, you're not sure, or what? Well, the only thing I had to go on is that I, many years ago I had had recurring dreams about being in a television show and the dream was that i got that i walked into this restaurant or diner or something and this guy crazy insane fan ran up to me and went do the bobby thing man do the bobby thing do the bobby thing man like you know i'm i play a character named bobby on the show well I didn't even think about that when I got the job and blah, 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 blah. And I had this, this dream had, I'd had more than several times. So it was a recurring. And it was a nightmare. Okay. Because the guy was just over the top it crazy. It was a nightmare. Like, <laughs> it's like, I didn't, this isn't, this is what my life is, it would be like if I was on a hit television show. Lo and behold. <laughs> Now, do, do do people come up to you a lot when you're out today? I mean, because no, nobody says a word no, to I me. Mean, it must get crazy for you because it, it's one of those shows that has such a, a devout following, and it's not like you're gonna sit there and mistake you for someone. It's not like it's like if I walk into a place, another bald guy with glasses. I mean, you have, you have your look. I mean, what's some of the weirdest stuff? I mean, do, have you got any perks from it, or have you? you oh yeah, perks. Like a guy in a, I, I I delivered my daughter to college uh, about a month ago. And I was headed back uh, to L.A. And I was waiting at this little airport in, in a small town. And, and the, a guy walks by me and goes, you look like the guy in Sons of Anarchy. And I, he was drunk. It was like, you know, one in the afternoon. He was like very drunk. And, and I'm like, hmm, okay, now how do I deal with this? So I said, yep, that's me. And he goes... No, it isn't. <laughs> and then so I go, please get out of my face right now. I don't have time to, you know, be called a liar. So just get out. And he's like, oh, you want to go? You want to go? You know, that's the kind of. See, that, that must suck. Because it's like, I mean, it's like, it's like anything. You said about James Garner. Like when James Garner would go out, people would always want to try to start a fight with him. Because he, yeah. he played a tough guy. And it's like, it's a role on TV. Yeah. So what are some good things you've gotten out of it, though? Oh, there's great things. Come on, I love the fans. I mean, I, you know, I'm very, very um, thankful and gracious as, as I can be. I mean, I'm, I've, <laughs> I kind of have a reputation as being a grump. Why? Why is that? Are, are you? Do you, could you consider yourself a grumpy person, or, or, or are you a grump on the set, or are they talking about outside of the set? For my whole life, man, I'm talking about. I'm not talking about. <laughs> I mean, you know, what I, I, I'm, I, you know, you know, at at times I ha- I'm just very different. You know, sometimes I'm grumpy. Sometimes I want to be left alone. Sometimes I'm very uh, social, very social. But you're very, but you're a very serious person. I bet that's what okay. it comes from. It seems to be seriously. I, I mean, I'm a humorist, man. <laughs> I'm not. A serious humorist. So wait, so you're a humorist? I would say that I have a very humoristic l- outlook on life. Now, yes. Do you do you write stuff? Do you write this stuff down? Yeah, I, I've been a writer from you know I did all that. Yeah. But I mean, you wrote the plays. But do you write your humor down? Do you do you, do you sit well, there? I, and no, I mean I don't like wait, you know wait to to ambush people with my. No, I'm just saying they could. Sit to, I mean, but people, people who follow you, they would probably love to read what you're writing. No, all right. <laughs> I write <laughs> you know, sometimes, sometimes a lot. Now, did the other guys on the show ride bikes too, or did anyone come on the? Did anyone get cast that didn't know how to ride a cycle? Everybody, nobody knew how to ride a bike. Kim knew how to ride a bike. 
Tommy supposedly knew how to ride a bike, but you know, they're everybody's great riders now. Everybody, you know, we've had to ride so much. Everybody's Ch Charlie didn't know how to ride. He no, he's a great rider now. And, you know, do you guys ever get together and ride? Yeah, no, no. That's uh, so maybe you know, maybe one whatever. Of Tommy and uh, Charlie and I have ridden home basically every day of the show that I've worked. You know, I mean, we we we, but we don't go. In the beginning, we did some riding together just to get out there and start riding a lot. But um, we're all, you know, got to go home to the right. whatever it is, hopefully. Now, after the first season, did you guys know automatically you were getting picked up for the second season? No. So how did that, I mean, how does it work as an actor? Because, you know, you've done a lot of theater movies, but you finally, the series is popular, but it does, it's sometimes, it, does it keep you in limbo? Because, I mean, yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, what do you do? How for do you months. psychologically deal with it? They I mean, didn't pick us up for months. So what happens? They just sit there, you do the great show, and then they don't tell you anything. You just have to wait. Well, that, that I think that first year was a little crazy because, like, the, the what was it? It was the, the announcement, the, the, premiere of our show was the night that whatever his name is bald guy with the you know mckay announced that that uh palin was going to be his vice president okay that was the that that was a monstrous television event and nobody watched the premiere of the Sons of Anarchy. Doesn't that suck? You shoot something, then just by timing, you're going, wait a second, who, what is this crap? I don't, I mean, I don't, you know, at that time, I didn't, you know, that was, believe me, the, the, the network wasn't happy about it. Right. And, I mean, it, we really didn't get any, it was a monstrous event when, when they announced that Palin was going to be a vice president. I, I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> monstrous event so so but then so it's the but it's playing then so. it made it you know and it made it it did it, it had good numbers i think like the first season and and it was pretty clear that they were going to pick it up i think but it took a while so during the, when you're waiting are you are you, do you go out and try to get other workers or something of course. you have to sit there do they say you have to wait or is there anything kind of contract or how's oh it yeah work? contractually we we're tied for it when you when you when you make a television show and you're a television regular you are signed up for seven years in the beginning you you don't you don't you don't have any choice about that. okay you're signed up they have the option to fire you whenever they want but the, you don't have any options you sign up you are signed up for seven years See, it's crazy it's sort of like like pro football when the guys sign a eight-year contract but after two years if they go eh, you know what you're not working out they can just get rid of you absolutely so when you sign up now, were you, were you worried at all that you would get killed off because people get killed off on the show? Did you ever sit there and go, "Man, I hope I don't get killed off"? Or did they do they ever tell you? Did they ever let you in that you're going to be alive? Or how does that work? I, I, I'm not at liberty to oh, you speak are? about that. No, I, I don't know. I just want to make sure. <laughs> well, I, 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 I didn't know you were signed up we, for seven you know, years. Yeah, everybody <laughs> signed up for seven years. There's only on this show, even though it may seem like there's a lot of people been killed. The, the regulars, most of the regulars, are still standing. At at this time, we've only lost Johnny Lewis, uh, um, uh, Ron Perlman, and Ryan Hurst. Those are the only okay. regular regulars who got killed off. I th I believe during. I may be wrong, but I think that's it. Now, do you do you like doing the physical scenes? You like that kind of stuff. I mean, physical scenes are the best. I mean, do you do you like? Do you, do you ever do you ever get hurt in one by accident? Oh, of course, I like went down on a motorcycle on the the the, the, the you know bounced off the pavement six times at ten o'clock in the morning and shot for the the last day of the second or third. I can't remember which one. I think I guess it was the third season. Bounced six times off the pavement and, and and bloodied and blah 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 and, and and had to work for thirteen more hours. That must be. I mean, it's just. I mean, have you had accidents before in your cycle? When you're I've been down many times. Yeah. When I was young, I mean, and 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 uh, I've been down once since I retook up. Other than that time on the show. So it, the show's been on for this is seventh year. 
So yeah. when you sit there, now you sit there and you go in, and you know the first year and the second year, and you're picking up steam. So you know, you know you have a job. So you, and that must be a great for an actor. They always say you know you're set for a few years. I mean, as an actor, because you did the theater and you said when you were younger, you never had any money. You know, you were, you were making you know forty whatever. What was it like when you knew this show was taking off and you're just like, okay, was it? You must have had a sigh of relief, or what happened? No, there were never any guarantees on this show that you would make it more than. The past the next week okay i mean look at the nature of the show even though like when you, you we you know now i say seven years later i think only three regulars but plenty of non-regulars got killed but still it you know it there was no job security here okay so yeah, that's I mean it's just crazy when you're part of a hit show. You think like just give me like like with Seinfeld, you know, you know they wouldn't get rid of any of them. No, you know, but for I'd say so. Now, On this show, that uh, you know, you could it, it wasn't a it was no guarantee. Now, did you know? I know you signed a seven year contract, but did you know that if the show was a hit, did you think it would go after that, or did you know at the end it's done? Well, I don't know. They just you know they I, it's been said very clearly this is over but i mean what's it like for an actor because it's like they got to be like family so all of a sudden you're sitting there and it comes to that someone says okay this is the final season is it as you said it might be hard for you to get work now because you know everyone puts in that role but is it an exciting time because you're like i can get out and do some other stuff i didn't yeah, do before it's, it's, that's great it's, it's all great i mean it's it's hard of course it's hard you know this is what this last knowing that this is the last season it's given us a, a time to be together and just enjoy each other you know the cast i mean the, it, it's where you can oh maggie was another okay. regular who was killed maggie yeah so that's that was the other and um anyway but just to just to really enjoy each other rather than you know be so worried about anything other than just being together and doing stuff so uh so now what are you plan i mean are you, are you going to start doing theater again or is, has any of that stuff come in your mind or are you done with that part of your life or what do you think because it seems theater? like you love theater. you 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 seem to love theater i like people who do theater theater is 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 one of the coolest things i mean i if i were to do live stuff now i i, I hope i get to get, get my music thing together i just i you know i don't know if you know I, I just put out a single uh that's out on itunes and stuff it's called bang bang she shot me down or you shot me down now when did you start playing music i know you said when your family was younger they were involved you know with music your dad played the trumpet but did you when did you start getting into music to well, play I, it i picked up a guitar when I, I mean i took guitar lessons from one of the most eccentric people I've ever known in my life when I was 11 years old from a, a guy who taught at the Old Town School of Music, which was a very hippie-like, you know, thing. He had hair down to his waist. He had the longest, most beautiful fingernails I've ever seen because he picked. And uh, I took, I took lessons from him for a little while, and then didn't really. Yeah, play the guitar and a girlfriend of mine gave me her a guitar that she his her parents had given her and a really good gibson and i played that for a while and then i didn't take that to new york and then i took it to new york steve and i started a band called the pawns of love which we sort of incorporated into our theater at times what kind of music did you play <coughs> i call it psychedelic country sort okay. of Steve wrote a lot of the songs. I wrote some of the songs. We did a couple of covers. It, yeah, I mean, whatever that. I, we did that for a little while. We played, and then some people, but it was never really a band band, you know. But, I mean, it was good for what it was. The songs Steve wrote were great. I love those, you know. And, and uh, then we did that at one point, and then we didn't do that for a long time, and then we reconvened that later in our, you know, later in the 80s uh, for a little bit for another show. Um, then I came out here, and somehow I, I got uh, Jim Scavunos, who was a Nick, uh, went out on tour for, for Nick Cave. Okay. 
he came, he was a friend of mine who it, this guy Kai Eric was the bass player in in the Pawns of Love, and he, Jim was a friend of his, and Kai was visiting me at or visiting out here, and Jim came by, and he had just gotten the gig with with Cave, and he didn't have any storage. He he was going to go out on tour, and so he left a, an electric guitar for me, some of Bonnez, I think, at the time. And a practice amp, and I started playing, and then I then somehow I ended up starting a band with a, a woman named Jill Fido called the Other Woman, and we played around town here for a couple of years, like two and a half years. Were you playing originals or were you playing originals, covers? All all originals. Yeah. And so so how do you when you write a song? How do you get the idea of how to? I mean, is it just you're a writer? But I mean, songs. I mean, must be hard to write. I mean, do you write the music and the song or? It, every song is different. I don't really ever know how a song gets done. Do you sit down and say, I'm going to write, or you just start jamming and go, just wow, that should play, be a song? Play, 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 play. I lived with a musician for the last, uh, not the last year, but uh, for five, six years before that. And we played a lot of music together. So you're playing. So how did you decide to record something? How did that come about that you said, you just said, I got to put this on? What happened is... um. Kim and Theo and I did a, a tour of Australia where we just popped around all the big cities of Australia very quickly and, and the booking agent brought this guy called Kevin Bowe who had, had produced a bunch of stuff, uh, Johnny Lang and Etta James and all kinds of people. He, and um, he introduced the... the this show, which was uh, mediated by people who would ask, oh, jeez. It's good good reverb, though. It is very good <laughs> reverb. And, and he, he would, um, uh, the, the mediator would ask us questions, and, but Kevin came out and played a few songs to, to open the show. And then, you know, because I play Bobby Elvis, uh, the, there's this idea that i'm a singer <laughs> and so they asked me to sing a song which i sang and kevin thought this is a really good version i mean i, I he sent me a review of this of of that song yesterday that said it, it was the best ber version of bang bang you, you, you shot me down ever made and that's like nancy sinatra share frank sinatra right. um now um supposedly Beyonce is doing a version of it and and um, somebody else. Isn't it amazing how some of these songs, like they just get this life? I mean, it's like, I mean, what, were some, what are some of the music that you've liked growing up? I mean, who are some of your musical influences that you sit there and you have to hear? Bob Dylan. I mean, Bob Dylan and Joni Mitchell, those were people that I listened to a lot as I was growing up. And Neil Young and Creedence Clearwater and... Do you like you like the older rock, the good stuff? I mean, the classic rock, which was good stuff. Yeah. No. And 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 it, it, I mean, now that I have, I have a nineteen-year-old daughter, I, she's introduced me to a lot of music that she plays and sings really beautifully, actually. And um, and my my son also is a musician, but he 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 just uh, like when I'm writing music, I don't listen to much of anything because then it just kind of. I don't know. You just don't like to hear right stuff. So. so now, would you ever encourage your kids to go into the acting, or I mean, if they want, or just you know, it's up to them. It's up to them. I mean, it's 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 a tough life. It really is. I I, I mean, this you're only as good as the job that you have. It's not even that you're only as good as the job that you just did. Right. It's you're only as good as the job that you actually have. It's a it's a bizarre kind of torture. Now, are you going to keep playing music? Are you going to try to put, like, put a whole album together? Because, I mean, you've gotten some off of this. I mean, is it, some, is it something you enjoy to do? I mean, is, uh, is it relaxing to you, or do you just love doing it? I love playing music, but in front of people, I'm terrified. So I, really? i got to break that. But you, had, you had, like, that background of performing. You did live. I it's know, just... but it's, I, I'm, I hope I'm getting losing that a little bit. So now, have you recorded any other songs, or is it just no, your one so far? Not, not in the studio. So do you plan to? 
I hope so. Because we'd like to hear that. I think people want to hear that. No, because it's like anything. People know you as your character, but it's like anything. It's like, we want you to be, I remember when years ago when Don Johnson came out with the song Heartbeat. We we're like, yeah, this is no good. You know, it was the worst video. And it was a good song, but it was a video. But for you, people know you. They know your face. I guarantee people would love the song. Hmm. Well, I, 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 I have gotten pretty positive response on this and I, and I it's the first really that although I did some recording with the, those two bands a little bit not really much um it's the first song that I actually like just went in the studio and sang okay and I, it, I did enjoy it we have a few minutes left uh so what's what what are you going to do after this episode of the series is over do you have any plans are you gonna take some time off are you going to hit the grindstone right after that or what are you going to do I don't know, man. I'm I, I'm I'm trying to. I've been doing a lot of. I've I've lent my ear to the plight of the wild horse, and I really need to to. I everybody should take a look at what's going on with the wild horse in this country. They're they're they are really being attacked, full frontal attack, and for some reason. It seems that industry, the oil industry, ranching industry, and mining industry, want to eradicate the wild horse. A uh, hundred years ago, there were over a million estimates between one and two million wild horses in this country. I don't think they were getting in anybody's way then. And, right. and there's a lot of. And in 1971, they, they were they were they were set aside 2.2 million acres uh, of what are called HMAs, where where they are supposed to have run of the land. And these areas, these are federal land, lands, and they're, they're constantly being um, squeezed out of this area. I mean, just last week they rounded up a 1,000 more for some reason. I have no idea why. And uh, a lot of the young were killed uh, when they did it, and... They a lot of these will probably be sent to slaughter because the budget for the BLM, which is the the governing governing body that is is in inside the Department of the Interior, they're not going to give them any money to to keep these horses alive, and it's it's so I'm I'm spending I hope I'm going to spend some time doing some stuff for that are you going to go as doing speaking or are you going to do uh documentaries or i mean how are you going to do that's one aware? idea of documentary the is speaking uh, um I, lawmakers need to be put on the block about this because they are um well there's a a whole movement among the western states to assert their state rights and just take over the maintenance of these horses it's such it, it it's just ridiculous what's going on because there are no there there are very few wild horses and they are being accused of ruining the environment and ecosystem and it, it's 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 not that them who are doing this it's the cattle and it's really the industries just want to take everything and they fear anything that they cannot control well, it's good you're fighting for that. It's good. I mean, it's, it's got something that you know. It's good to have something to fight for, and then uh, you, you get the and you get the word out because you have a following. So that's always good. You're you're using your celebrity for the good. But the whole thing, we yes, we one one. I I hope so. I, I mean, we need to think in in completely different terms about how we live. And um, some stuff that I've just heard recently is about creation habit habitat creation and and. And, and retooling the ecosystem. We have to take control of our systems now because we already have. It's just how we take control and what we do with that control now. And we have to give the earth back to itself. Exactly. And and that includes reintroducing, you know, you know predators, wolves, and mountain lions and the whole bit. Well, I want to. That's. I want to thank you. That was. Uh, you know, it's good. It's good you make a statement, and I want to thank you for coming on. It was a pleasure meeting you, and it's. Uh, and people love you. That's all. Everyone was so happy. Like, oh my god, that guy's coming on. Everyone loves you, and and that must make me feel good. Uh, that, uh, that's very nice to hear that the people. Well, they, they're, they're, you got a huge following. So yeah, the Boone's got the huge following. Anyway, I want to thank you for coming on. And people you. check out Sons of Anarchy. Um, follow me on Twitter at Cooper Talk. Send me an email. 
Cooper at coopertalk.net, which is my website. I have about 295 episodes up on there, so go check it out. Also, you can go to iTunes or Stitcher to check out past episodes. Uh, this Saturday, I'll be at the Ice House in the second room at 7 o'clock for my friend Dew's birthday show. I'll be doing about 15 minutes of material, so come on down. And remember, every Tuesday, I host Crappy Comedy at Jimmy's Place in uh, Burbank on San Fernando Boulevard. So keep listening. Follow me on Twitter at Cooper Talk. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins. You guys have a great and safe and happy weekend.